The show is here. Yo, our mission is clear. It's time to change healthcare. Have no fear. Today is the day. This is the hour. Together, you know we've got the power. Drop the silos. We're all the same team. Patients, docs, nurses, tech, and marketing. How can anyone be satisfied with the way things have always been? Yeah, we've tried. So join us now. Join the revolution. Digital health is the evolution. Status quo, more like status, no. Yeah, this is the healthcare rap. Y'all, come on, let's go. Welcome to the healthcare rap, where we are ushering in the future of healthcare and the status quo no longer exists where we are challenging assumptions about marketing and technology, and we check yesterday's thinking at the door. Where truth drops like an atom bomb, and knowledge flows like Niagara Falls. Each week we challenge assumptions that have been holding back healthcare marketing, and explain how we can do better. Join us. This is the Healthcare Wrap. Welcome back. I'm your host, Jared Johnson, ready to share some more provocative thinking for healthcare innovators and digital teams. Here on the Healthcare Wrap, we believe that the healthcare experience has to change, and we're trying to do something about it. We can either stand back and let it take another 50 years, or we can jump in right now. And I think you know how we roll. We're not going to coast in neutral. We're hitting the gas. Come be a part of it. Each week, we talk about the topics that you need to know about and act on to be part of the digital transformation movement. We share tips on shifting the way that healthcare is experienced digitally and the backstage strategies for marketing, operations, and digital teams to drop the silos and stay ahead of the curve. We recently passed 170 episodes and three years on the air. We're now in season six, where we are focusing on how to operationalize consumer-first healthcare and digging into the details of how to make it happen. So here's what's going to go down today. We have the flavor of the week about the need for a new tool set. How can we build 21st century businesses and experiences with 20th century tools? I'll talk about that. Then Zane and I kick off season six with some provocative thinking about the new tool set and share some examples of how it can propel consumer first healthcare forward. This episode's jam-packed. We have a lot to share along the way. It's time to dive right in. Are you ready? Let's go. Flavor of the week. Somewhere along the course between the industrial age and the information age, businesses at the top of the food chain started figuring out that the tools they had used to build 20th century businesses weren't going to work as well in the 21st century. Somewhere along the way, they evolved. It's our turn now in healthcare. Oh sure, we still hear about plenty of incumbents who have gotten a little too comfortable, thinking that those industrial age methods still work in the same way today. There are still plenty of executives crunching numbers while ignoring the fact that consumers think, act, and buy differently than in the past, and that the consumer needs to be at the center of the design process. Last week I said that the job to be done for us as innovators is to operationalize consumer-first healthcare. I see four parts to this. Some people will talk about one, maybe two of these parts, but I think it takes all four. First, what does it look like? This is the experience of consumer-first care. Second, how do we build it? This is the architecture, or the digital platforms and data connections that work backstage to make the experience possible, as well as the operations to keep it going. Third, how do the finances work? This is the economics of consumer-first care, where we toss the old business model out the window and approach the economics from a standpoint of disruption. And fourth, how do we staff it to sustain progress and stay agile for future disruptions? 
This is the culture and leadership of Consumer First Care. The healthcare of tomorrow will come as we bring all four of these parts together. And to do that, we need a new tool set. This tool set refers to management methods and business improvement processes that we should be using as a society and industry to overcome barriers that stand in the way of progress. Examples include design thinking, human-centered design, agile project management, journey maps, service blueprints, ideation management, speculative design, behavioral design, lean startup principles, and more. And finally, don't forget the tool of dropping the silos. We're no longer managing platforms. We're managing experiences that span across platforms. So we better start talking to each other. So how do we operationalize consumer-first healthcare? How do we actually make this happen? This new tool set is an important start. Let's begin this most important part of the journey together so we can disrupt rather than be disrupted. As always, the time is now and the choice is yours. And that's the flavor of the week. The flow, the flow, the flow. Hey, Zane, always, always, always a pleasure to have you back on the program. How have things been for you? Hey, Jared, good to be back. Good. You know, things are well. We're well off into the summer here in Detroit. It's been hot and humid, and as we always talk about, I'm so glad. I think we're putting this pandemic behind us, and so it looks like it's going to be smooth sailing moving forward if this Delta variant doesn't take us out. Yes, that's the cross our fingers, you know, (laughs) hope things go differently than everything in 2020 did. So, yeah, we're all in the same boat there. We definitely hope that goes in the right direction. So... You know, what's interesting is that you and I just a couple of weeks ago talked about kind of five things we'd learned from season five, which was yep. basically a wrap up of so many things. It, it was like trying to pick your, you know, your favorite song or artist out of everything, everyone out there, or pick your favorite TV show or movie. I mean, there were like so many good moments from season five that it was a tough choice to even decide which ones to focus on in that episode. And now we're kind of saying, like, where do we evolve? Where do we go from here? Those conversations led us to a place that we that was different than when we started it. It really was a journey. And it's been a lot of fun and very informative because, quite frankly, you know, some of my hypotheses going into the season were that, well, maybe it is possible to provide certain parts of the healthcare experience. And and I remember referring to digital health or just digital marketing or just digital engagement with a consumer Mm -hmm. in a lot of different ways. And I think one of my takeaways from all of that was we need first and foremost, a new language. Like we need to have different questions that are even the compelling questions to get us going in different directions and reorganize business units around it. And then we also need a new tool set. Absolutely. We need different tools. We touched on a handful of times over the course of season five, the need to recognize that we're kind of coming to the end of a decade-long period of managing platforms. And now we need to manage an experience and manage the results of that experience in order to actually operationalize consumer-first healthcare. So we had a lot of ideas, a lot of examples from guests. And now you and I are going to, in season six, really do our our goal here is to continue this journey and get really tactical yes. and get very practical and talk about what are the tools in this new tool set to help us manage and create an experience that isn't just 
solving for for one little piece of it. Yes. We created all these silos of expertise across the board, across even different types of organizations. And now we've all got to come together. We've got to create consumer-first healthcare together. That's always the part where people usually either are like, yeah, that's exciting to me, or they start rolling their eyes and they're like, okay, now you guys are talking like in, in absolutes yes. and things that are just never going to happen. I don't see it. How is it going to work? And we want to attempt to address some of those questions and concerns. Yeah. And the best place to start is with this recognition of what's the new tool set? Like what yeah. are the things that are going to be in our, man, back in the day, I'd call it in our quiver. I almost said in our quiver. Uh, like that's just <laughs> right. not even a thing. My children would roll their eyes at me right, right now if I, I said that. Uh, if I used to do archery, so I understand the reference. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, there we go. Yeah. Perfect. A quiver full of arrows. Yeah. Yeah. So Zane, what do you think about this? What, why do we need a new tool set yeah. right now? No, I totally agree. So I don't want to poo-poo on our own podcast, but one of my frustrations of people like us in healthcare is we we talk about things so high level all the time in theory. And if you go to conferences, a lot of great theory out there, how things should be, how things might be. You know, we've reinvented healthcare on PowerPoints a thousand times, but it's never gone any further than that. And you know, through the course of this season, one of my reflections has been, which you just shared, is we probably need to start to get more tactical. And, you know, present listeners and present the audience with, here are the tools that you can use to start to manifest some of the concepts that we've talked about. You know, here are tools you can use to solidify what your concept is, tools you can use to now put it into practice. And unfortunately, tools like ideation management, service design, design thinking, product management, project management, those aren't things, believe it or not, that they're, that are necessarily taught in medical school. They're certainly not taught in nursing school. And last time I looked at a, a master's of public health curriculum, they weren't necessarily taught in those either. There might be some electives. And frankly, even in master's of business administration. And so what you have in our industry is some very highly educated leaders in the, the we call it the theory side of healthcare, be it clinical or administrative. But you don't have a whole lot of acumen and experience in like how to do, like how to execute a program or a project, which everything that we imagine for healthcare to get it into into practice has to be executed as a program or a project. And so, absolutely think it's time that we get a uh, you know a, a level more tactical and start to talk about what are some of these tools and methods that our listeners can use to start bringing, uh, making the change real in their organizations. Yeah, perfect, perfect. What a great way to kind of introduce this whole line of thought because this is where we're going for the foreseeable future for the rest of season six. And I that brought to mind so many meetings, Zane, uh, dozens of them over the course of years and years that I sat in on that I was a part of where we had a lot of people around a, around a table talking about different platforms, talking about different, very siloed parts of what was going on within the business and within ultimately a healthcare experience. We just didn't refer to it that way. And there was so much talk about, about tools, but it was, we were really talking about platforms. We were really talking about implementing a piece of software or a management tool. So to clarify, you and I are talking about tool sets of how to manage, create, design, ideate, 
I would even from a, from a business and innovation standpoint. Correct. And I would maybe specify so that people don't get confused about like digital tools. What we're really talking about is like management methods to then work on, you know, all your digital tools or whatever your digital roadmap is in your organization and get it done. And so maybe the better term for us to use is like, a me- the, what are the methods to get it done? Yes. Yeah. I like that. I like that. And especially, you know, it's probably just the side of things I've come from when we have been talking about platforms. I end up thinking, oh yeah, tools. Okay. Uh, are you talking about an EHR, a CRM, a CMS? <laughs> I get all the acronyms thrown in there. Yes, and I'm yes. like, so, so to clarify exactly, that is not the type of tool we're talking about right now. A lot of those will come into play at some point, but we're going to start with some of these. We can just touch on a couple of them, Zane, and, and we'll be yeah. referring to the rest of these in depth throughout the season. Yeah. Uh, one of the first ones I'll throw out there because it's one that quite frankly is fascinating to me. I've had the fortune of, of being a part of a handful of projects that implement this method. It, it's design thinking. And from those in the human-centered design world and design thinking world will have to forgive me for uh, if I get any of this wrong. So correct me if I'm wrong on any of this, Zane. But design thinking in and of itself, there are a couple of principles. A couple, When we talk about this tool in particular, we've had several guests on the program over the years Steve Koch from Cast and Hugh. We had Ben Tingy from Atrium uh, from their innovation engine. We had Jill McCormick from TechSpring. We had Katie and Drake and Paul, the trio, talking to us about design thinking uh, in a lot of different ways. This is a methodology that I am learning about and am convinced that if there's one thing that can help us accelerate consumer first healthcare, it is design thinking. Absolutely. The two things that I start with are the jobs to be done framework mm-hmm. and compelling questions. So again, you set this up perfectly Zane. I've not been trained in any of these things. I've participated in projects where these were elements of a project of the management, like they were methods. And so I'm not an expert, but I, I'm learning how important this can be and how crucial it can be. Absolutely. So and- like the jobs to be done framework, for instance, yep really helps us understand why are we doing things? And it's just not a question that tends to get asked very, very often in meetings. Either those points like that or compelling questions or anything else about design thinking that they think is like, how, how do we kind of introduce this to, to listeners who aren't familiar with it? Yeah, I mean, I think the the foundation of design thinking is rooted in one thing. And every time you hear design thinking, think of empathy. That's really what it's rooted in. Can you as the project leader or the team trying to develop whichever new product or service, you need to empathize with who your customer is. In our case, it's the patient or the health plan member or the community member. And to your point, empathize with them so much that you understand their expressed, unexpressed desires, needs, wants, pains, gains, jobs to be done. And it's from that fact pack that you then start to actually define what their problems actually are ideate around solving some of those problems. So how might we is usually a question that design thinkers use. How might we increase access to mental health and addiction services and come up with a whole list? And then you prototype and you start to think about, okay, if this is how we might do it, let's try to do it. Did it work? Let's test. Did it work? Didn't work. Let's try it again. Maybe this isn't the right problem to solve. So let's go back down the process. But the whole thing is rooted in empathy. So whenever you hear design think, think of empathy. And ultimately, design thinking was uh, made famous and made popular by Stanford and the design school all the way on the West Coast in California, which I'm sure no one's surprised. So design thinking equals empathy. 
Hi, this is John Lynn from the Healthcare IT Today podcast. If you like the latest rumors, insights, and happenings in healthcare IT, you'll enjoy hearing my colleague Colin Hung and myself debate and share the latest happenings from the world of healthcare IT. Find the latest episodes or dig into our archive at healthcareittoday.com or search for Healthcare IT Today on your favorite podcast application or YouTube. When it comes to healthcare technology, we love this stuff. And we can't wait to have you join in on the discussion of everything health IT. Hey, this is Scott Burgess from Healthcare 360, the fair and balanced healthcare podcast, exploring everything you wish you knew about healthcare, but don't. Join us weekly in an open, transparent conversation with some of the biggest names in the healthcare business surrounding this one question and one question only. Had you known there were other options to exhaust and explore before you travel down the traditional healthcare route, how would you weigh those options against what you think healthcare and medicine really is? For more information about Healthcare 360 and how together we can help transform lives, visit scotteburgess.com, subscribe to our YouTube channel, or follow us anywhere you enjoy listening. See you there. We'll talk more in depth again about what that means and, and some practical ways of doing it. That was just a center, like a starting point for me when we're talking about this new tool set. And yeah, that's not directly tied to any type of platform. What we want to be able to do is help everyone understand how to apply this method to whatever side of operationalizing consumer first healthcare yes. that you're on. And I think too, it's important for people to realize as we go through all, you know, these different methods and tools, they're really just only that. And so in the same way that, you know, you might use one or two tools out of your toolbox to build a birdhouse, you can do the same with these. And so you don't have to be purist about the method. You can beg and borrow and potentially come up with your own method, depending on what the project actually is. And so, you know, when I think about very tactical projects that have, you know, well-known problems. Perhaps there's already a body of evidence that suggests these solutions work. That's kind of when you just go into project management and say, hey, we know this works. We know our customers want it. Go and do it. Set deadlines, set critical path, go and do it. But design thinking, inspective design, and service design is best applied when we're not exactly sure what the problem is. We kind of know there's a problem over here. There's pain over here, but we need to explore what that means and ultimately what a solution might be. And so what's interesting is, you know, at the beginning, you might start on more of a design process, design thinking. And then by the end of it, when you kind of get to the end, when you're testing, you might jump more into a traditional project, product, or program management method to actually go and get things done or scale your solution across a system. Okay, so let's go there then for a minute. There's a couple of project management methods that we hope to get into this season that are definitely part of this new tool set. Any of those that you want to touch on? Yeah, so the first one is, you know, what we call waterfall project management, which is very traditional. And so, you know, this is something that anyone com that comes from the IT space or, you know, in a logistics capacity or supply chain, you know, it's traditional. You basically said, okay, what's the ultimate objective? When does it need to be done by? And you set up your milestones and you sort of work backwards. Everything's defined from the beginning. You can plan the project from beginning to end. In construction, they go as far as like assigning costs and resources, you know, and every week there's a stand up to see are we behind or ahead of project, both in terms of time and budget. 
that that is very waterfall it allows it, we call it waterfall because you just kind of follow the river then you go over the waterfall and you're done and that method allows for very limited it has very limited responsiveness to any environments or external outputs and so again very good when every we know exactly what we want to achieve a more modern version of project management is something that's usually known as like agile project management where it actually borrows from design thinking and other innovation concepts where we don't necessarily plan everything to the end we just plan the next feature so to speak and so you create they call it like a backlog of ultimately what needs to be done and usually you work in like sprints of like one or two days or even hours and say okay in 48 hours we are going to launch this feature and i should have mentioned usually agile is applied to software development and the method also prioritizes working software as opposed to rigorous documentation like you see in traditional methods. And so this method is being applied now and adapted. I've seen it everywhere now in healthcare and particularly in the innovation space to get things done quickly. And it also allows for the programmer project to iterate again if they didn't you know, achieve product market fit or if something in the environment changes because the process isn't fully baked to the end. It's just from one new feature to the next, to the next, to the next, until the product or service is fully deployed or built. And so that's Agile. And our listeners, some of our listeners probably all know this, but there's tons of certifications you can get. Um, they call it being an Agile Scrum Master, where you can be taught and trained basically how to lead these groups and how to run the specific methodology every day, including the specific tools within Agile to stand up your Agile team. Yeah, one thing I've, I've liked about Agile, having been able to work in it somewhat, is the thought, like you said, it allows for a different type of, of early failure Yes. Of not just going back to the, the, the drawing board when one part of that doesn't work. Or also the it doesn't really facilitate the the eye rolling that happens when somebody says, okay, we need to put a change order in. Like with Waterfall, it really is a cascade from one stage to the next. And then yep. everyone gets frustrated when something needs to change because the environment has changed or the needs, the business requirements have changed. Which in these, you know, these days, I can't think of a project where that doesn't happen anymore. Okay. There, we're talking about large scale enterprise projects. We're integrating data okay. connections. We're integrating platforms in order to create a better experience. You know, there, there are backstage things that are happening. I, I, my goal is going to be to always tie everything we're talking about back to the consumer experience that's happening, yep. you know, front stage. Yep. So it's good to think about it that way. And, and how this can kind of trickle down and, and have a domino effect if we're not using methods to manage projects in the right way. So even being aware of how Agile can work and its benefits of... Yes. And yeah. again, Agile being only a two, you can take elements of that and roll it into your own process. But basically, sort of the fundamentals of Agile, you know, staying out of the process from it, but the culture of Agile, it's very much a culture, which makes it different than other project management methods, where everyone on an Agile team plays their role. And it's also very focused on being driven by the user story, which is ultimately the insights that you, you might glean from a, a design thinking empathy workshop. And so what's cool is, you know, everything gets drawn back to what is it that the customer wanted, as opposed to in traditional project management, usually it gets drawn back to what is it that the project stakeholder or the executive wanted. And so right away, culturally using Agile, 
And if you're doing it in a, you know, a, a true agile manner, you're much more aligned to uh, your patients and consumers from the get-go. Right. And it encourages you to ask Absolutely. I think, questions that are yep. more relevant to getting you to a solution without yes. Somebody saying, this is my baby. We can't change right. it. You know, exactly. it, yep. the method itself makes it easier to navigate around that. And I think that, I mean, that's, you know, let's be real. That's an important, it like is. a very common thing that happens. Like you said, executive comes and says that this is the thing. This is the project. This is what we're going to accomplish. They may not be even aware of all the environmental factors that could change along the way. And then to question in a traditional project management workflow to question any part of that and say, maybe we need to tweak this. You end up getting egos involved and you end up getting just people's yep. feelings involved. And when people start saying, that's my baby, that's my project or whatever, instead of saying, uh, yeah, well, let's get back to the pro- like the problem that we're trying to solve. Like, let's own the problem. Let's fall in love with that. What a difference. And so it's, it's, you know, it's so important. It's very much a culture. And usually if you're following a true agile process, usually once a week, and sometimes it manifests as Feedback Friday, there's a meeting that occurs where every team member is encouraged to give constructive feedback to anyone and it's welcomed. And so what's cool is if these teams are being ran well by the scrum master, they can become very high performing because they're just open. It's collaborative. It's almost like your archetypal startup environment, which, you know, we've talked about many times on last season's podcast. That's not necessarily the culture of traditional hospital systems. And this stuff can start to scale quick because usually you have many agile teams working on a specific piece of the product or service. And then they're all also, all these teams are then connected. And so you can start to get things done really quickly and start to really change the culture within your organization uh, to be a lot more modern and a lot more um, a lot more inclusive of the diverse skill sets that people have. Uh, I love that. I hope we keep coming back to culture, Zane, because that like that's just going to be a key here with everything. <laughs> I think that's actually one of four kind of main pillars of what we're going to be talking about with this new tool set. Again, here's what I'm hoping to get out of this season and why I feel like this is the right direction for us to go uh, over the next few months. When I'm talking about a design thinking methodology, what's the job to be done with what we're even talking about? Like what we hope to accomplish, what we hope listeners that, that we can help you accomplish. The job to be done in my mind is to operationalize consumer first healthcare. Yes. Make it happen. Like actually help it come come into being instead of just talking about it at a high level. And so there are four four main pillars to that. Zane, you just touched on it. Culture, right? Absolutely. That's one of them. The question is how how do you staff for it? How do you lead it? How do you create the methodologies that will even make this possible? The other three, in my mind, and I'd love to hear what you think about the same, uh, what does it look like? So the experience of consumer-first healthcare, what does it even look like? Like, What's the actual experience we're trying to create? Then how do you build it? What's the architecture of it? Like, What are the tools, the digital tools to clarify yes. uh, and the data flows and the connections between them and the operations that you need to sustain that. So how do you build it? And then finally, how do you pay for it? What are the economics of consumer first healthcare? What's the business model? How do you create a hybrid telehealth, you know, virtual slash in-person service line for a certain specialty or subspecialty? And what does that what vendors, what digital health tools do you bring into the mix to accommodate that? It's it's a very different set of figures that are being, you know, numbers that are being crunched to understand the economics of it too. So 
those four, I'm hoping to be able to keep coming back to those throughout the season and see how, how they relate to each other. Absolutely. I think that's a good place to kick this season off from. Yes, I'm really looking forward to this, Zane. Uh, any final thoughts? Like, what, what else are you looking forward to, to hearing or, or learning this season? Hoping to give our listeners the language, especially around the methods, and so that they can understand, you know, tactically what are the things they can start to be doing and sort of demystify all of that for them. Because sometimes I find, you know, talking about service design or human-centered design um, can be intimidating for people, especially, you know, folks who aren't fully aware of what those tools are. So I'm hoping to break that down so that people can see and understand what tool might be, should or can be applied where and for what problem. So that's what I'm hoping for. Oh, fantastic. All right. Well, that gives us a lot to uh, to think about. And, and listeners, hopefully uh, let us know which of those things, if any of these particular things uh, you'd like to learn more about. Uh, we'd love to know that. And that's our goal this season. That's the next step in this journey we're taking. Zane, always a pleasure. All the best to you and everything you've got going on. Uh, have, a, have a great week. Thanks so much, Jared. Ed Marks here with Digital Voices, the only podcast for Chief Digital Officers across all of healthcare and life sciences. Digital Voices is about the voice of the patient, the provider, the payer, pharma, big tech, retail, public health, really any part of the healthcare and life sciences ecosystem, that's the digital voice we wanna capture as we learn and break barriers across the entire spectrum. Join us weekly as we drop our pod. Hey, thanks to Zane and thank you for listening. We hope you found some value in this conversation. If you did, would you do us a favor? Could you please subscribe and tell your friends and colleagues about this podcast? Healthcare Wrap is a member of the Shift.Health Content Network. If you enjoyed this podcast, you're going to love the other shows in the Shift.Health Content Network. And don't forget to subscribe to the Shift.Health YouTube channel featuring season two of Now What? Go check it out at Shift.Health. It's all free and available on demand. Until next time, keep marketing forward. Thanks. And that's a wrap.